throwing curveballs at you that you're simply not prepared for. Things that you never thought would happen. A marriage that you thought would last forever somehow breaks down. Health that seemed to be going just fine evaporates. Or maybe a plague that shuts down the entire globe, ruining people's finances and economies and killing many, many people. Suffering has a way of making its way into one's life. You can be a Christian or an atheist. You can be a, a Buddhist or a Muslim. It doesn't matter. Suffering will find you. And if you're not careful, it will lead you to despair. I've had several moments like that in my own life where things that I thought would happen well didn't go so well. You know, the kind of things that you go, hey, hon, you know, in the morning you go, hey, hon, what are we eating for dinner? And then everything changes. One such event happened with my son, and this just happened last year. Uh, he was feeling weak and feeble, which is not like him. He's super energetic, super talkative, super full of energy. Anybody who's experienced my little David knows that he doesn't lack for words or energy. And he just, just was down and seemed slow. My son called me up, my other son, the older one, called me up. And he said, Ba, I, I think something's wrong with David. And I'm like, I'm five kids in. You got, I got to see blood before I think of anything that's, you know, I'm five. I remember when my firstborn, do you remember when you first, does anybody here have kids? You remember when you first born, when, my, when you're first born, when he would cough, I'd be like, oh, oh. That's so painful. And then by the time you get to the fifth kid, you get, give that kid some Robitussin or something. They'll be fine. And I was in that mode. And he said, no, 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 I really think that there's something wrong here. And then, and then a few minutes later, he called me up. Or he didn't call me up. He sent me a picture. My son had thrown up large amounts of blood. And so we take him to the hospital. And you know, does anybody know about hemoglobin? First time I ever heard the word. Hemoglobin is like the, whatever it is. It, it, it helps to determine how much uh, blood is in your system, if like depending on your hemoglobin count and all that stuff. I know I butchered that definition, but I'm saying it has something to do with your blood. Well, his hemoglobin, which should be around 12 to 15, his hemoglobin when he got to the um, when he got to the hospital was nine. And when he left that particular hospital, because I don't know if you know where I live which is not the richest part of the uh, town, where I live, the hospitals are there to collect the dead people. They don't do much help. And it's like the inequity between the, the affluent and the poor. The affluent get the medicine and the things that they need, while the poor seem to struggle with getting some basic things. He came into the hospital uh, with his hemoglobin at 9, and he left that hospital with his hemoglobin at 4.9. Which, by the way, at four, you're unconscious or you don't, you can't be, you can't exist if you get down to four, if your hemoglobin gets, at least that's what the doctors told me. I share that with you because nobody planned for that. Nobody, nobody made it in a part of their schedule. 
That terror that we experienced, and in our case, it was experienced for a week, but I bet that if I passed this microphone to the person sitting in your seat, you would be able to tell about moments that you didn't plan for, moments that you weren't ready for, suffering that took you by surprise, and that lasted a lot longer than a week. You see, all of us, all of us, all of us go through suffering. And the question is, how do we go through this suffering? The answer is Good Friday. The answer to our suffering is Good Friday. It's the suffering that God did in fact plan for did in fact schedule time for. The suffering that he volunteered for, that's the difference between the suffering that I go through and the suffering that Jesus went through in Good Friday. If you'd have given me a choice, I'd choose not any of the suffering I've gone through. If you'd give me a choice, I'd choose the easier, faster, quicker, nicer way. I don't choose the blood and the death and the horror. I wonder if I'm alone in that. And so, how do I live in this world as a follower of Christ? How do I I find the hope that I need during my suffering? It's Good Friday. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that we've been taught that if God is with us and for us and loves us, then no pain or suffering should enter our lives. And that if he is allowing pain and suffering to enter our lives, it is proof that he is neither with us nor for us or that he does not love us. And this is a terrible lesson to learn. This is a terrible lie to adopt as the truth. The fact is, our suffering finds its meaning in Christ's suffering. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'm grateful that you're here. If you're here and you're a nominal follower of Jesus and you're just kind of like, you're not, you know, you tip the hat to Jesus, but you're not like actively pursuing him, I'm so grateful you're here. If you're here and you're really a devoted follower of Christ, but you just need a little bit of help, I'm telling you, you came on the right day. We're going to talk about how we suffer well and we're going to look at Jesus' suffering on the cross, on Good Friday. So let's transition to that moment. Jesus on the cross, having been beaten, having been tortured, gone through this terrible, literally, the word excruciating comes from the cross. It's excruciating. It's the crucifixion. Having gone through excruciating suffering and pain towards the end where he's about to breathe his last, says an impossible sentence. He says, you know what it is? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, why would Jesus, who is God and who planned this, why would Jesus quote such a verse? Because Jesus didn't invent that verse in the sense that in that moment he didn't invent it. Jesus, of course, invented it because he's the word of God. That verse comes from Psalm 22. Now, the problem is, you and I think that Jesus, when he read his Bible, it was like leather-bound, 
with like, you know, chapters and verses written in and all that stuff. And it's just not the truth. It's like he had scrolls and it didn't have like headings like chapter 16, verse 5. That's not what they had. That was a later invention about 500 years ago. Some uh, bishops invented that so that we would easier be able to, we would, we would be easier able to check whatever the guy who does my job to make sure what he's saying is true. And so they put that in there so that you, those who come to gather together to worship Jesus, would be able to read your Bibles and it will be a great help to understanding the scriptures. But, but that's not what Jesus had. So when they would quote a particular section of scripture, the Hebrews, what they would do is they would use the first sentence, the first sentence as a title. That's what Jesus does. In Psalm 22.1, it says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What he's doing on the cross, Jesus is, what he's doing is he's saying to everyone, if you want to understand life, if you want to make sense of suffering, if you want to get through the difficult times, you're going to have to understand who I am. And if you want to understand who I am, read Psalm 22. Now, I'm going to read to you just a few passages. Why don't we stand up? I'm, I don't normally do this. I always read straight through. This might be the first time in 10 years that I've, uh, I'm going to skip around verses. Would you stand at the reading of God's word? We'd stand because we reverence God's word. And so Psalm 22, we're going to read verse 1, 8, 18, 30, and 31, but we're going to focus on verse 1. But I just want you to see how in this psalm, Jesus was referring to what was happening to him. Now think about this. This psalm was written a thousand years before Christ was born. Think about that. And Jesus is saying that what is happening to him in that moment on Good Friday was already known about and written about. Here it goes. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? Verse 8. He trusts in the Lord. Does this sound familiar? He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. This is exactly what they said to him during his crucifixion. It's written a thousand years. Written a thousand years. And it's not like Jesus' enemies wanted to fulfill prophecy. Verse 18, they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. Sound familiar? Verse 30 and 31, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he, let's say those last four words together, he has done it. Yeah. And that can't be denied. Listen, you, you can't be alive today without knowing the name of Jesus. Amen. Posterity did, in fact, serve him. And the future generations, you, did, are, in fact, told about the Lord. And we are able to proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, that was us, he has done it. Now, have a seat, and we'll look to this verse 1 and ask this question. How does Jesus' suffering 
Help us with our suffering. Jesus' suffering on the cross gives us three, three hopes, three assurances, and we find it right here in this psalm. Let me show you. First, Jesus' suffering on the cross gives us the greatest possible companion for our suffering. The greatest possible companion for our suffering. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. When we go through suffering, what we do is we tend to ask questions like, here's the two main questions. There's more questions that we ask, but these are the two main questions that we ask when we suffer. Are you ready? They're why and how long. Those are the two questions we ask when we suffer. Why and how long? Let me tell you what's more important than having those questions answered is having someone go through the suffering with you. It's the most important thing. When I suffer, I can live without those questions being answered. You know what I can't live with? Going through suffering on my own. I can't do it. I lose hope. I die inside. I need others. Maybe you do too. Well, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross gives us the greatest possible companion for our suffering. And our greatest companion is Jesus. There's something about being in the hospital and after you're in the hospital, somebody comes and they sit down and they go, oh my gosh, this is so bad. But you know what? You'll get through it. You'll get out of this. You'll make it. Come on, man. Chin up. Stiff upper lip. You'll do it. That's one thing, right? And if you have cancer and your hair is gone, and you've, and you've lost 40 pounds, and you don't feel like you can even lift up a finger, you're grateful for that person, but you don't feel much hope in that moment. But let another person come. Let another person come with a bald head who had lost just as much weight with the same type of cancer, and, who's, and who you see a little peach fuzz growing on the top of the head, and say, hey, you're going to do this. You're going to make it through. We're going to do it together. Woo, there's something about that. That you're just like, well, I think I might just make it through. Right? Listen, beloved, I'm just telling you something powerful. Jesus comes alongside us, not as a guru who is giving us wisdom to get through life, but as a fellow sufferer whose peach fuzz is growing on the top of his head. Who's saying, hey, 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 hey. You went through suffering, I went through suffering for you. You're going through it, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Now the reason that you can have Jesus as a companion, the reason that he could say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, is because he was forsaken for your sake. He was forsaken for your sake. That you can know that when you go through it, Jesus could cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He could cry that out so that you and I don't have to. He'll never leave, never forsake, never abandon. It's one of the hopes that we see in the gospel and one of the hopes that we see in Good Friday and one of the lessons in our suffering that Good Friday teaches us. Secondly, and we're going to be here not too long, 
The second is that we not only get the greatest possible future for our suffering, I'm sorry, greatest possible companion for our suffering, we also get the greatest possible future for our suffering. Listen to me. It's not meaningless. What you're going through, the crisis that you're experiencing, it's not for nothing. It's not meaningless. We know because the greatest horrific moment in the history of the world begat blessing after blessing, purpose after purpose. And if that's true for Jesus, our Lord, that's also true for Jesus, our Lord's people. There is purpose in our suffering. I am reminded of James where he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary struggle is achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is fleeting, temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. We have the greatest possible future. That when my children suffer, they don't suffer in vain. There's a purpose in that suffering. There's a purpose in my suffering. There's a purpose. There's a reason why I was raised with a schizophrenic mother that caused so much pain in so many lives. There's a reason why I was uh, born into a family where my father was an alcoholic and the pain and the suffering that's attached to that. There's a reason why even the beatings that I took as a child, the sexual abuse, the verbal abuse, and all the other things that I suffered. There are reasons behind that, some of which I know and some of which I don't, but I know this, that there is a reason. And our suffering gets the greatest possible future because Christ's suffering caused the greatest possible future to happen, namely the salvation of the person sitting in your seat, if you would receive him. Could you imagine? Could you imagine someone coming up to you and going, hey, 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 don't worry, don't worry. You see your suffering? It's going to bless the socks off of a person who's going to live three generations from now. You'd be like, um, can we like um, put that blessing a little bit closer to my generation? But not Jesus. Jesus says, good deal. He looks at you and he looks at me and he says, I just love that children's song. Remember that children's song? God loves people more than anything. God loves people. It's an old, more than anything, more than anything he wants you to know. He'd rather die than let you go. Because God loves people. More than anything. <laughs> and if you would just, if, if you would just, if you would just switch the words people with your name, you would possibly start feeling the weight of that silly, simple little children's song. God loves Edwin more than anything. God loves Edwin more than anything. More than anything. You put your name in. He wants Edwin to know. He'd rather die than let him go. God loves Edwin more than anything. 
Beloved, our suffering finds its purpose in Jesus' suffering. We find hope in the cross. And Jesus' suffering on the cross gives us the greatest possible companion for our suffering, Jesus, the greatest possible future for our suffering, the blessing of others, and then the greatest possible consolation for our suffering, comfort from God's resources. See, when you and I suffer, here's what we do. When you and I suffer, what we do is we actually do what Satan wants us to do. When we suffer, we isolate ourselves of divorce ourselves from the rest of the church and just go, no, 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 I'll go back to that when I get better. We don't say it like that, but that's exactly what we do. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. I have, beloved, you're suffering? I've given you the church. I've, you're not the only one. Hey, hey, do me a favor. Anybody here has ever suffered so bad that you didn't know if you were going to make it through? Just raise your hand. Go ahead. Just raise your hand. So hold your hand up. Hold your hand up. Stay. Keep, 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 keep it up. Keep it up. Look around. Look around. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. All of us have gone through, and you don't have to go through it alone. You get the resource of the church, but wait, you get more. But wait, you get more. <laughs> you not only get the resources of the church, you get the resources of God's word. The resources of God's word reminding us, just like what the, the James passage that we quoted, that it's fleeting, it's not, your pain and suffering is not going to last forever, that you can find hope in Christ, that Christ Jesus is our hope during suffering, that there is no ache that comes into my life that doesn't pass through nail-scarred hands first. We get resources in God's word, but it doesn't end there. There's more. You get resources from God's spirit. God's spirit who promises to never leave, never forsake, to be with you in all things, to make sure that you are in fact taken care of and guided and loved and with. You ever wonder, in the very next psalm, it's one of the most famous, it's not one of the most I would dare say it's the most famous psalm in all the scriptures. As the band comes up, the worship team comes up. It's Psalm 23. And there's a sentence in Psalm 23 that's blown me away for years. And it's this. The sentence is this. Yea, though I walk through the... Say it with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Part. Pause. Listen to me. Do you ever wonder why the psalmist, and in turn, you and I, can say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. The reason that you and I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death is because Jesus faced death for real. Now, you're not getting excited about this because you don't understand the principle that I just shared with you, so I'm going to try to dig it a little bit deeper. The reason that you and I can walk through the shadow of the valley of, the valley of the shadow of death is because Jesus walked through the valley of death for real. Now, if you're not totally certain how that affects you, I want to ask you a question. 
Because remember, we're talking about suffering, and we get the best possible companion for our suffering. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. In terms of getting hit by a Mack truck, would you prefer to be hit by the Mack truck or the shadow of the Mack truck? Every time. You know why? Because the shadow is not the substance. Jesus faced the substance. He faced death for real so that you and I could face the shadow of death and therefore find hope that within our suffering, Jesus has taken the level of suffering that nothing that we go through doesn't not only go through his hands, but that he walks through us in this suffering, guiding, leading, encouraging, strengthening, making sure that you and I will not be abandoned, not be forsaken. The fact is, in Jesus' suffering, we get the best possible companion for our suffering, the best possible future for our suffering and the best possible consolation for our suffering. We get Jesus. So on this Good Friday, I want you to be paused people. Paused people as we think about that all of those benefits are bought for us at a high price. Like more than 10 bitcoins. More than whatever is in every Swiss bank in the world. It was bought with the blood of Christ. Now, we're going to spend two minutes of silence Mm -hmm. reflecting on that great truth before the team leads us in worship. For some of you, listen to me, For some of you, this two minutes is going to be the only two minutes this year you've ever stood in silence. It's going to feel as awkward, maybe in in your whole life. But what we're doing is we're asking God to let the word of God sink deeper into our souls. So here's what I want you to do. As Liz puts up the scripture, as Liz puts up the scripture that we just reflected on, I want you to go, I want you to read them. Which verse jumps out at your soul that you need to reflect on because that is what Christ did for you. And if you don't know Christ, beloved, if you haven't surrendered to Christ, you can do it now. Do it now. Do do it now. What are you waiting for? Here, confess. Here's, here's, it's as easy as A, B, C. Admit. Admit to God that you are as bad as he knows you are. Listen, fronting ain't easy, so let's go ahead and stop that. Let the, let, the, let the cloth that you're wearing on your face be the only mask you wear. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. The scriptures, the Bible in a nutshell is simply this. You are worse than you think, but Good Friday proves that you are more loved than you can possibly imagine. And so, listen to me, listen to me. You have an opportunity to just... Admit that you're as bad as you are. And then believe that Good Friday, Jesus paid for your sin. Believe that he paid for your rebellion. He paid for your running from him. He paid for your thieving and lying, your adulteries and your sins and murders and pedophilia and 
bank robberies and all the things that you could have possibly done, that Good Friday covers it. Believe it. And then, and then here's the third, right? It's A, B, C, admit that you're as bad as you are. Believe, believe that Good Friday he died for your sins and C, commit. Commit your bodies to Christ. Let your bodies go where Jesus wants your bodies to go. Let your hands do what Jesus wants your hands to do. Commit your body to him. That's what it means to walk in Christ. Admit, believe, commit. Now, 